Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. In the United States, there are, as the CDC reports it, 33,000 cases of coronavirus with 400 deaths. By reporting, you would see more. By the reporting, you'll see over 40,000 cases. These numbers are going to go up as places like New York and California and Washington State continue to deal with their hotspot areas. It was Dr. Deborah Burks yesterday doing an absolutely positively fantastic job in that presser, in that White House task force uh, press conference, discussing the idea of timelines. That China is on the downside because they have already peaked. And of course, as I'm saying it, you can't trust a single, you cannot trust a single thing that China says. The people who do out there are laughable. The World Health Organization, shameful. But they have already been through their peak. But from when it went to China to the United States, it's about two to three weeks ahead of the game. And certainly you have a different timeline for when things got bad in Washington versus when things got bad in New York. Things are bad in New York, so much so uh, that the governor, Andrew Cuomo, has ordered a trial. A trial of what? Clinical trials of chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine with Zithromax. Now, there is a story of a guy taking chloroquine. I'm going to get to that. A guy on his own took chloroquine and died, and people are blaming President Trump. When you see people blaming President Trump, you will know who the truly ignorant are in America. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY-833-468-8669. Now, also in that press conference where uh, Dr. Burks B-I-R-X, made sure to explain that we see hotspots cresting in different places at different times because of how it moved across the country and how it is spread across the country. And it has spread across the country. There are some places that certainly are dealing with it, but not to the extent of these other nations. By the way, President Trump at this press conference, so I don't know if he got a hold of himself. Somebody got a hold of him. I'm not quite sure how I would even describe it, but his he was, well, in a, in a whole new place, making sure to talk about uh, Chinese Americans and how important they are and how valuable they are and how much we love them and how uh, good they are. I mean, this this was the president. It's very important that we totally protect our Asian American community in the United States and all around the world. They're amazing people. And the spreading of the virus is not their fault in any way, shape, or form. They're working closely with us to get rid of it. We will prevail together. It's very important. So is this because he's been calling it Chinese virus or Wuhan coronavirus, of which there is no problem whatsoever because, well, there's not. China's guilt and China's culpability cannot be denied. Where has America fallen down? Well, that's a conversation about the FDA. I'm going to get to that in a second. The stock market right now is, is, is flying. It doesn't mean by the end of the day that it will. 
And one of the reasons it's flying is because President Trump was very clear in the press conference that we're talking about weeks, not months, to reopen the country. The country was not meant to be closed. As he has tweeted out, uh, we can't have the cure be worse than the problem. He reiterated that again in the press briefing, which went for two hours, by the way. He answered every question. He was nice to the press. You know, some of you are asking really good questions. Sometimes the questions help us do things. So I love that. I know you don't like me, but I think that your questions are just terrific. He was doing the whole thing. He was joking with Dr. Burks because she actually said, you know, on Friday, I thought I had a fever. <laughs> She's at the podium saying that Trump is standing next to her. And he goes, I'm out. And starts to walk off. And people are like, what the hell? And then she said, you know, I, I, I took the test. And of course, I don't have a coronavirus. And the president goes, whew, right there in front of the press. And it was, they were smiling at each other and kind of laughing with each other. It's a very different Trump, very amenable uh, Donald Trump in that press conference. He had started this way a little over a week ago, and then slowly and slowly he got a little more uh, Trumpy and cantankerous. And it really showed when he heard that uh, Mitt Romney was in quarantine, and he said, Mitt Romney's in quarantine? Gee, that's too bad. With a smile on his face, like not only he had eaten the canary, he had eaten the canary's mother. He was just, and people are like, is that sarcasm? He goes, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. Okay. Okay, clearly, clearly, uh, we will uh, we will know what he said and know what he did. But it was a whole different Trump, and it was meant to settle the markets. And the conversation about saying this is weeks, not months, was meant to settle the markets. Right now, solid. Who knows how that's going to play out for the rest? But there is a conversation worthy of having about testing. Because we can make the argument without facts that we haven't done enough tests, that there hasn't been enough testing, and testing took place too slowly in the United States. We have even discussed the fact that, you know, the tests were going out, and then they found that a reagent in the test wasn't good, so they had to go back and start all over again. That is how I had read the reporting, and I've shared that with you guys. But what I didn't know is all the steps that led up to it and all the things that went after that. Well, there is a guy who figured that out, and his name is Alex Stapp. Now, I don't know Alex Stapp at all, and I have put this out on Twitter that I don't know who he is, but I think he has done incredible work in this reporting. He actually uh, liked the tweet, and so uh, thanks, thanks to him. He's the Director of Technology Policy at PPI. What is PPI? Radically pragmatic, we seek to advance progressive market-friendly ideas that promote American innovation, economic growth, and wider opportunity. I swear to you, I don't know what that means. And I've got to dig into that and ask. That's his organization. The reporting? Well, the reporting is something else. Now, he has got an article about this at the Dispatch. The regulations and regulators that delayed coronavirus testing is the name of the article. And he put out a full uh, series of tweets on it. For the sake of time, I'm going to utilize the tweets. But the article is there. It's on my timeline. I'll post it again. If you want to understand what actually happened, not the, the press mumbo jumbo of what happened, not the hot takes of what happened, but what actually happened, listen to me for a while. So literally, just, just stop what you're doing, slow down in, in your car, whatever. Take the time to understand this because what's more important than knowing the facts? 
What's more important than knowing what happened and knowing where possibly our mistakes are? It's very possible that the United States made mistakes that it has to learn from. If you heard President Trump talking yesterday, it was about how much we've learned. And there is a lot to learn. I am not happy with the mistakes. It is okay to say that mistakes were made. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you anti-Trump or pro-Trump or whatever. It doesn't do any of that stuff. As a nation, we have made an error. And it's something we have addressed here this past week and last week. We have noticed that the things that have allowed us to best counteract and fight coronavirus have all involved the reduction of regulation. They have all involved the reducing of roadblocks put up by agencies. And every time that has happened, we have had success, whether it's in ventilators, whether it's in masks, whether it's in doctors being able to go where people are needed, all fact, the reduction in regulation has allowed us to meet the needs of the American people. Now let's get to what Alec wrote, A-L-E-C, Alec Stapp. Here's what went on with coronavirus testing. Go back to January 21st, because on January 21st, that's when the first case of coronavirus was detected in the United States and in South Korea. But if you were to look today, South Korea has only 9,000 cases, and by reporting, we're over 40,000 cases in the United States. 33,000, according to the CDC. But either way, we're four times higher than South Korea right now. Why is that? So his take is that the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, dropped the ball. What happened? So there were three barriers, regulatory barriers, to scaling up testing, as he says it. One was called the Emergency Use Authorization, an EUA. So obtaining that, being certified for high-complexity testing, and then complying with HIPAA privacy rules and the common rule related to protection of human research subjects. So let's go through it. It's January 31st, and Alex Azar, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, he declares a public health emergency. When he did that, a new requirement went into effect. Labs that wanted to conduct their own coronavirus tests had to first obtain an emergency use use authorization from the FDA, this EUA. So the public health emergency is declared, and now a lab has to get this emergency use authorization. The, the original thought of the EUA was to speed up the normal authorization process. But what happened in this case is that the labs that were already conducting their own tests were told they had to stop. The labs were told to cease operations until they were granted the EUA. So by not waiving that requirement, by saying, forget the EUA, just keep going, the FDA slowed down testing because it forced labs to stop. Now, this is a very important thing to remember. This is We're going to come back to this like a, like, a, like a movie thing, right? This is foreshadowing. The labs conversation is foreshadowing, and when you hear it, you are going to literally run off the road. You won't believe it when you hear it. Now, he also notes that to obtain an EUA, an emergency use authorization, as it is uh, referred to, you had to jump through some hurdles. What did you have to have? FDA required validation by testing at least five known positive samples, 
mailing a physical application on CD or thumb drive because, you know, we all use thumb drives these days. Everybody's got themselves an extra CD. You know, it's right next to your AOL online CD, just sitting there in a random drawer. And then testing the protocols against MERS, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, and SARS viruses. So to get the emergency authorization, you had to go through all these things. So imagine the time delay that took place. So this was put forth uh, on January 31st. Well, February 4th, five days later, the FDA issued the emergency use authorization to the CDC for its testing protocol. But they didn't offer another one. They didn't provide another one until February 29th. They authorized one emergency use authorization. Therefore, as Alex Stapp writes it, the FDA put all of their eggs into one basket. And what happened? Well, the CDC protocol failed. State and local health labs tried to validate the protocol and it wouldn't work. Why didn't it work? The faulty reagent. The test was faulty because what you would utilize to determine the test didn't work. So when we heard, when we reported here and shared it with you, that the problem with the test was a reagent, so they had to go back, we were accurate. But what we didn't know was all of the setup and the lead up. So now we're caught up. Now we know about the reagent, and therefore the tests had to go back. And because only one of these uh, emergency use authorizations was put out there, only for the CDC, nobody else had the ability to do anything. They did not get the ability to start trying other tests until February 29th. How did that happen? Well, on February 24th, an association of more than 100 state and local public health labs had sent the FDA a letter begging for them to be able to start to do away with the emergency use authorization and get started. So you've got more than 100 of these labs all across the country saying, come on, let's go. And the FDA responded by saying, you guys should apply for an emergency use authorization. The labs told the FDA, we can get started. And the FDA said, please fill out form two. Like everybody was standing in line at the DMV and you were in the wrong line for uh, getting new plates. You, you just, just, just get in the line, take a number, fill out the form. We don't actually think here. Just rubber stamp the things, move it along. It's a crisis, right? It's an emergency, right? Coronavirus is coming for you, right? And here's the FDA doing what big government does. On February 24th, they send this letter. The FDA says you should just get the emergency use authorization instead. And five days later, they reverse their position and exempted advanced labs from the requirement. Now, that's the foreshadowing coming back to you. The labs conversation, it's February 29th, and the FDA finally says that the labs are exempted. But not all labs. The advanced labs. Advanced labs, as Alex Stapp writes it, are the laboratories that are certified to perform high-complexity testing consistent with requirements under CLIA. Don't ask me what CLIA is right now. So the exemption doesn't exist for all the labs. 
There are 260,000 lab entities in the United States, give or take. 260,000. You know how many labs were approved under this new FDA ruling? 5,000. Please don't drive off the road. 5,000 out of 260,000. So basically, less than 2% of the labs ready to do the work in the United States were allowed to do the work of testing. It wasn't until March 16th that the FDA expanded this exemption to all commercial manufacturers and labs. And as it said, the FDA sped up the process by removing itself from the process. And Alex says something that is absolutely perfect. It's the kind of thing I would have said. He said it better. Speed, not perfection, must be the focus of a pandemic response. Interesting. That's not dumb because what he is saying is something that you and I believe. You aren't going to be perfect. What you can do is get started. As we say in my family time and again when we talk about building businesses or I'm talking to the kids uh, about how you get good at something, where you start is not where you end. You have to get started and sometimes you will stumble. Sometimes there will be mistakes, but you will get better. You will learn from it. You will grow. You will build. You will get there. I am not discussing being reckless, but what was clearly reckless here was the FDA not recognizing that their job was to get out of the way. Proving once again that when government gets out of the way, we can thrive. They didn't keep anybody safe. They didn't keep anybody alive. They may have cost lives. What we have to do is recognize that this mistake happened. Oh, it happened under Trump? No, it happened because it happened. And yes, it happened under Trump. And he could have, maybe uh, for whatever reason not doing it, or maybe for whatever reason focused on other things, which is very possible. Just demanded that the FDA get the hell out of the way. And maybe that's what he did at the time when he did it. That TikTok, that walkthrough of what happened, man, talk about setting the mind straight. How many people are going around with misconceptions about what happened? And this guy did the work. Yes, big government and red tape got in the way. And what we have to learn is to not allow that to happen in the future. I'm Tony Katz.